Ahoy! You're listening to Diffuse Tap with Kenny Estes and Isla Krem. Today we're joined by Kumar and Nathan, co-founders of Dwellfi. We're going to be talking about how the on-chain asset management space has evolved through the years, which real-world assets are suitable for tokenization, and what the barriers to entry for investing in on-chain RWAs are. Enjoy! Welcome, everybody! Oh, man. People are getting excited. It's almost like there's a lot of rumors about a Bitcoin spot ETF being approved today or something. Crypto's back, baby. I love it. Thanks for joining us, everybody. If this is your first time, you might be confused as to what's going on. So here you go. Uh, here's what's on tap. This is a weekly event. We do it every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central. Uh, this is our 189th time we've done this. So it's been a minute. We're going to briefly talk about diffuse tap the event you're at right now then talk about diffuse funds they're going to have a fireside chat with kumar and nathan who are going to drop some wisdom for about 15 minutes and then you're going to do two more rounds of breakout rooms tap rooms like you just experienced because this is mostly a networking event the audience you all is primarily alternative investors or people who play in that ecosystem in one way shape or form very heavily biased towards crypto but we do do the odd alternative non-crypto thing from time to time but if you find yourself very interested in investing or engaging in the digital asset ecosystem you're in the right room and you're probably going to meet a couple of interesting folks in the tap rooms throughout the day here but we do want you to learn a little bit which is why we have Folks like our good speakers on to share some wisdom. There's in-person networking we do from time to time. The next one is a little DVD, late January in Chicago, hosted by Miss Gabby Kutz, who most of the people in Chicago crypto community already know. So we'll give you more details when available, but we're looking forward to that. Keep everybody on mute. About Diffuse Funds. Diffuse Funds is a fun platform. We try to find alternative investment strategies and turn them into funds. The big one we're pushing right now is our Diffuse Digital 30 product, which is an index fund of the top 30 cryptocurrencies, market cap weighted, monthly rebalance, pretty much everything you want structurally from a proper index fund. It is publicly listed. So uh, if you want, but we are still offering kind of a early scale up incentive for folks in the terms of GP profit share. So if you have any interest, let us know. Or if you know anybody who wants to help on the distribution side, also let us know because we think this space is about to get white hot with the hopefully imminent approval. Now, enough about us. Here's the speakers, Kamar and Nathan. Maybe Kamar, because you're at the top there, you want to unmute yourself, tell the good folks a little bit about your background and uh, what you're up to over at Dwellfi. Yeah. Hi, everyone. <clears throat> Sarn Kumar, founder and CEO for Dwellfi. A uh, little bit about my background. So I started my career as a software engineer in 2008. A couple of years later, I started my first company, right, for a couple of years, sold it, and then mostly moved into AI machine learning area. So I worked for large corporations, uh, enterprises for uh, AI machine learning. I have a couple of patents in AI machine learning, commercial patents. And... Um, uh, most recently, I was a uh, head of product at Punch. After that exit, I started uh, Dwellfi. That's that's what we are here uh, talking about a little bit more about Dwellfi. Dwellfi, what we are doing is uh, we're a uh, tokenization platform, RWA. So we do uh, asset tokenization, but at the same time, we also build a funded data platform, which is uh, the concept we took from uh, my previous company, uh, where we uh, we were building a customer data platform, CDP, which is a large segment now. And that's, uh, we took that concept from there and realized that there's nothing 
similar to this and there's actually a massive need for that that's where we started this and that's what Dwellify is awesome great stuff thank you very much nathan you want to unmute and give folks a bit about your background too yeah, absolutely. Pleasure to meet you all. I um, So I originally come from New York City real estate development. I worked for a private developer for about nine years and then uh, across a wide range of uh, multifamily hotel portfolios. I went pretty far down the crypto rabbit hole, like I'm sure many others here in 2015, um, was uh, super interested in technology. And I was hired by Digital Currency Group, DCG, in 2021. I worked alongside their venture capital team and uh, actually led their NFT strategy for a while. Um, and then uh, heard a lot of pitches about you know real world asset tokenization. Heard a ton about where the you know DeFi fractionalization. Everyone can trade it and own a piece of the Eiffel Tower. Everything sounded great, but I just didn't really see how it was going to be regulatory compliant or scalable um, in most instances. And then I actually had the pleasure of meeting Kumar actually through Lou Kerner, who runs Crypto Mondays. And um, I was just really impressed with Kumar. He was building more of a fund administration platform that I think solved a lot of the issues that I saw at my time at DCG. So um, yeah, again, super excited to be here. Happy to get more into the conversation. All right. Well, we'll start there. Kumar, question for you. So circa 2018, I had a terrible interim executive role at a uh, one of the then three ATSs that could do security tokens in the States. And the long and they were funds, real estate, it was kind of, you know, all the rage for real world assets. Those yep. things had no liquidity. They did not trade at all. Um, and my understanding is the real world asset market has not moved that far in terms of liquidity since then. So is that a fair assessment? And uh, are you trying to help with that a little bit? Yeah, no, the very, very good question. Actually, this is one of the big, big problems in the space. Like, okay, everyone was all about like, uh, even Lou Kerner wrote a whole new <laughs> document at that time, like, get ready for the tsunami of uh, RWA and all these things and which has never happened so far. And so think about like one of the big problem why it never happened okay so most of the way people have done the tokenization so far is the way they do tokenization is you take an asset and uh, take a, either you uh, create a new uh, spc out of that and then you take and tokenize that spc so when you do a tokenization of the spc you're basically tokenizing the lp interest in the spc which is good but it solved one of the problem so you have a LP interest tokenized. So what you can do out of that, you can do a proxy voting and all those things, but it's ideally is an equity management on chain versus equity management off chain, correct? That's that's what it is. But now if you want to do any action of the tokenization assets, like for example, you want to do trade, you want to create liquidity, borrow against those assets and all those things, when you want to do it, what happens is you need to have the asset data also to do all these things, action frictionlessly. But the problem is when you tokenize that and you don't have that data also along with that, tokenize it, then it's, it's not frictionless experience because now you have to go off chain, pull that data and then do the transaction on chain. So what is the whole purpose of doing it on chain? You can do it off chain too, right? So that is one of the fundamental problem which people have not solved yet. And this is how we started. So when we started building it, we, we started from the ground up at why this thing is not yet taken off. So now when we do this uh, tokenizing asset, we tokenize the asset and data. So the way we do it is, is a dynamic NFT format. What is the use of dynamic NFT? The dynamic NFT is like, so when you have a tokenized asset, it has two parts in that. One is fungible and non-fungible. Your non-fungible is like the, the ownership, proof of ownership. But your fungible part is all the data, the metadata associated with that 
fund. For example, your NAV, what is the unit of that fund in that particular transactions, when it was purchased, what is uh, anything, leverage and all those things, like the metadata, what are the documents were signed, every single thing, all the metadata along with that. So now you package that, that's where your true dynamic NFT representing the real world asset as a token. Now, when you do any kind of transaction on that, now when the transaction is happening, you will basically have the real time information about that asset. So you can, like for example, one of the use cases which we're trying to solve is how you can borrow against those assets, which is tokenized, real world asset. Yeah. So if you have this, the two dynamic NFTs, which is representing all the metadata, now you can basically, a lender can go and see your dynamic NFT and you can collateralize that asset and then borrow against those assets. So that's that's how we are solving this liquidity problem in this space by bringing data and asset on chain together. Awesome, great answer, uh, Nathan. Anything you want to add to that before we jump to the next question? I think that was pretty confident. Uh, good answer. Why don't we uh, Why don't we jump to the next one? Because I think I think I have an idea of where you're going. Okay. All right. Um, well, maybe we'll stick to you, Nathan, just because uh, yeah, mix it up a little bit. Getting the information into a smart contract is not easy. Uh, in my experience, actually, the buyers, the owners who own the, the assets already have a, have more context. Um, they have financial statements, things along those lines, getting somebody who's accountable to actually put that information into the NFT itself is not necessarily the easiest thing. So how do you kind of overcome that just person problem? Yeah, so it's it's actually pretty cool. It's a feature we're going to release on Monday. Um, so what we do is, and I think someone just asked a question about it. So um, one example of an asset that we've tokenized, for instance, is um, real estate funds. So what we do is, just like as a normal real estate fund, how they operate, we take every single data source, whether you know people hold things in Excel, like any any possible data source, where they're, where their asset data, their fund performance data, all their GPs, LPs. We can even PDFs. We can take all those data sources and drop them into we call a Dropbox, and then we that um, is what we um, coined as our fund data platform. And the fund data platform will actually spit out um, structured data, which then we can um, use services on top of. So um, we've done it with real estate. We're doing it with. Um, we're looking into private equity right now. We're actually even doing it with. Um, fund administrators, existing funds, so we can do open close. But that's that's basically how it works. We take all the data, pile it into one central source, and then we can kind of structure it and then spit out services on the back end. Yeah, somebody asked like, why, how this data is huge? Like there is a huge gap off chain and on chain, and that's right. You need a trusted party. So that's that's right. We work with the the trusted parties involved in that. So you have an admin, you have a CPA, and you have. So we work with them. What where we bring the efficiency is the tech. So how fast you can pull this data, how when you're pulling this data, how you can sanitize this data, how you can make that data, verify those data on chain. So that is what we do, but the reports and everything is generated by your admin who, is, who basically is regulated and all. So that's how you verify the data. So That makes sense. You always have to have those third-party trusted intermediaries, no matter how you cut it, especially when we're talking about financial services. So it makes sense. Question from Len, right and cut and right to the quick. What's your poster child? Something you've actually tokenized thus far? What we have so far tokenized? So we have so far tokenized a $120 million fund today, which is already on uh, Celo blockchain. So we decided to do, use Celo because Celo was, uh, Merrick was one of our uh, early advisors. And mm -hmm. it's an L1 chain. So we can move on any uh, EVM compatible chain. doesn't matter like it's on Polygon or 
or um, cell or anyone as long as you are evm compatible we can do that so today this fund is live so you can see 120 uh, <clears throat> million dollar on chain there's total of 620 uh, wallets which is holding these assets every transaction which has happened so far like the your payments your subscriptions your descript every mm -hmm. single thing is recorded on chain so everything is live today and I recognize this is early, but do you have liquidity, like actual trading volume on there? Or at this point, are we working on more getting the transaction? So now we, it's the first part we did that. Now we are bringing the liquidity part. So we're working okay. with different vendors to bring the liquidity in the assets. Yeah. Okay. And maybe back to you, Nathan, if this is your uh, forte. Uh, George uh, Clayton has a question about the legal piece. So are you replacing, like you mentioned a fund. So are you replacing the actual PPM and sub docs and doing it all on chain? Or is this a layer that you put over the top of it to update the cap table. Yeah, now we take exact standard ways you would do it in the real world. We actually host all the PPM agreements. Everything's um, stored on the platform so the GPs can populate it all in. And then as LPs sign and make new investments, they will get a copy of those agreements and everything just is seamless on the platform. So we're not reinventing the wheel here. We're just we're just on our portal and then making sure it all gets uh, audited on chain. Yeah, the only thing is like the signature, once you're down, the, that digital signature goes on chain. For the verifiability or verifying that you've done that transaction okay uh so back to you kumar so if i wasn't in crypto right this would seem pretty hard to interact with um like do I, i'm assuming i need a metamask wallet or some form of wallet <laughs> so what what are those barriers of entry to really get you know more retail flow in and how are you trying to address that stuff yeah that's a very very good question and this was one of the things which we were building because all our investors and lps on the platform everyone have never ever seen uh, interacted with a wallet and all those things. So we took the same Coinbase approach that how you can make it like a so simple in like a user interface where when you come to the platform, you don't see uh, like a wallet, you know? So the way it works is when we onboard a, a fund and all LPs, so every LPs will have a login, which is like a, looks like a traditional portal. And when they go, they see certificates, it's called digital certificates, those are NFT, but it's, basically a certificate, piece of certificate, but is on chain. So it's already in the back end, there is a wallet. We provision an enterprise wallet for everyone in which this is stored. And your wallet permissions are like very simple. So in the back end, it's complex. Like it, it looks, all, it takes care of the, all the policies and everything, but in the front front end, you're like owner members, that kind of permission. So, oh, I'm the owner of my wallet. They don't even know this is a wallet, but you are the owner of your investment. So now you, you want to do the trade, you can just click redeem, or you can say borrow. So those are like trades, but in a very traditional way, which is not, you don't even interact with the blockchain and the UI. All happens in the back. So that's how we have overcome that friction. Like how you can bring non-crypto uh, native people to mm -hmm. bring the crypto slowly, you know? Kind of feels like obfuscate, which I'm not using in a derogatory sense, right? Like to <laughs> save them from the, from the complexity that they don't need to know anybody. Nathan, you unmuted, were you gonna add something? Yeah, just the other component of this is too, is I think we're all excited about, um, I saw someone else in the chat posted about, um, like, how do you see all assets trading together? And I think like, it's very easy to effectively do liquid assets on chain right now. I shouldn't say very easy, but it's it's much more um, possible. But what, what we kind of see a world in the future where like, you know, real estate funds, hedge funds, uh, crypto funds, everything will trade like, seamlessly on platforms, but it's just gonna take a really long time to get there. And especially on me on the business side, having to deal with sales. If you go in, you're talking to a giant asset manager or private equity fund, then you start throwing these words of blockchain and everything, especially with all the sentiment right now, 
you're not going to get the customers unless they have some some person that's super entrenched in this in, in crypto. So what we're really trying to do is doing this uh, very slow two-step approach where it's more of like an educational phase and really putting blockchain on the back end, but having everything run seamlessly um, you know, through the blockchain. So I'm going to push you up there. So you said that you kind of see in the future, everything is going to be on chain. Why is that? In a, you know, I think my first career, I was a high frequency trader for about a decade. And I'll tell you right now, doing anything on chain is about a thousand times more expensive than trading Microsoft. So do we actually see that future state where everything's on chain or is that more only for specific assets? I think if you, I mean, I think private funds will be the last to come on chain. But if you look at like what Binance and there's been a few others like Sologenic have tried to do is throw just stocks on chain. Um, and why not? Why should the S&P and the NASDAQ have be able to control, you know, and collect all the fees from these brokerage houses effectively. Like why can't these, these stocks just trade and be fractionalized just like everything else. So I think it's just kind of the, the inevitable future of how uh, markets will operate. I think it runs faster. I think there's less friction. People will fight to, to make sure they can, you know, continue to carry their fees. But I do see a world in the future where all these all these uh, assets will eventually be unchained as opposed to just kind of um, siloed at these homes right now. Kamar, anything you want to add? Because I know this is really the big why for Dual Fighter. Yeah. Right? So, so, I, I, so here's what uh, I think how this... So the tokenization of the uh, real-world asset will start from a lot of illiquid asset coming into uh, the RWS space. The liquid asset, high frequency trading, and all these things is not going to come. I don't think there is a need for that because it's already liquid. You can do all these things. So why you want to bring on chain? And where the cost comes into the transaction cost, that's going to reduce no matter what. There's a lot of base and you see a lot of different L1 chains and all these are coming, which will reduce the cost. So it's not even the way they're working. Uh, you would see like you can do a lot of Ethereum transactions with a very low gas cost in like next three, four years. But... So that is not a problem. Problem is like, what is that value add you're gonna bring to bring anything on chain? Is it like just a, for the mere purpose of, okay, it's on chain, it, it doesn't make any sense. So you will see all the illiquid asset because those are the things which takes forever to transact and liquid create liquidity. Now, if you bring on chain, that friction of doing all these things off chain reduces that and you can do more frequently and do a lot more different type of uh, transactions on that one financial instrument you can build. That's where the value is. So you'll see all those uh, illiquid asset coming on chain, and then who knows how <laughs> that I can just envision till that <laughs> so far. I started the illiquid, and then we'll deal with liquid in the much future date. Yeah. Probably, probably not on Ethereum given the gas fees. Yeah, I, uh, some different uh, chains are there, so. Yeah, exactly. Um, question from, oh, lost it scrolling. There we go. From Lane, uh, AMLKYC. You mentioned kind of that obfuscation where the people don't even necessarily know they're involving with a smart contract. So I'm assuming then you're doing that AMLKYC yep. at that. And then also like, is it one market that you control or these white label on a per fund basis? How do you work on a technical perspective? Yeah, so we do white label solutions for existing funds. So anyone who comes to our platform, which is the white label, the whole tech stack, and then that's platform is available for them. The KYC and everything is integrated in that one. So it's one single platform where you do all this seamlessly. So once the digital onboarding of the client, every client has the KYC that is also digitized. So once you tokenize, like basically a KYC on the platform, you can do other transactions also because it can verify those things. You don't have to do twice and thrice, you know? So all these things are the same. And then it, on top of that, it's white labeled. 
Gotcha. All right. And Nathan, I think you answered that in the chat for, so thank you for being on top of that. Anything you want to add? Otherwise we're going to pop into uh, tap rooms. No, I think that's a good place to leave it. Um, excited to get more into the uh, nitty gritty in the, in the side rooms. All right. Sounds good. A couple of housekeeping. Oh, warning, uh, Nathan Kumar. We always ask you the same question between tap rooms, which is to tell us the future. What's coming that you're excited about doesn't have to have anything to do with real world assets. You yeah. do get uh, kudos, props, brownie points, whatever for things the audience hasn't heard about before. But tap room etiquette stuff. Networking, not pitching. Be, be kind to one another. Generally avoid politics. I mean, that's, that's how it goes without saying in the current environment. No participant list for privacy reasons. Swap details there in the, the, the tap room if you want to connect with somebody or join the Telegram group. It's a good way to keep up with all of y'alls and also diffusing what's going on. Uh, generally, the tap rooms go 30 seconds or so. Uh, introduce around and then discuss the topic. And the topic is whatever Isla tells you it is. Yeah. What is the illiquid asset of your choice that you'd like to see? And you can't say real estate. So I think real estate. Um, I'll pop you through <laughs> now and we'll see you back here shortly. All right. Welcome again, all y'all back. Kamar, hello. You already unmuted. So we'll start with you. Please tell us the future. What are you excited by? So, yeah, very interesting. There's a bunch of things I'm excited about. I'll not talk about the tokenization. We have talked a lot about that <laughs> today. So apart from tokenization, where I see is, and now this could be a completely tangential of what we all are talking about. So there's two things I, I am excited about. One is uh, the AI, which everyone is seeing where the house uh, growing and all. And the second one, uh, I'm very excited about the quantum computing, uh, quantum encryption. And I personally invested in a company which does the quantum encryption. So I would say, let me talk about the quantum because AI everyone knows about, if that's fine. Yeah. So, so quantum computer computing is where it's, there is a huge race is going on for building quantum computers. And, uh, and to give you a very simple, what is quantum computers? Basically, today's all the computer works on zero and one, which is binary. And quantum computers are the computers which works on zero, one, and in between zero and one state. Which is called qubit. So they can do exponential more complex calculations faster than any traditional computer. But anyway, the bottom line is one thing which can do it very, very well is the entire world today, all these things encryption works on one standard RSA encryption. And a quantum computer scan, if you have a 20 bits plus quantum computer, they can break those RSA key. That means every single information which you have today private can be public or anyone who hacks that information, they can take that information, okay? So a lot of government organizations and uh, where there's a mission critical data is stored, they, they all are looking into how I can do a quantum encrypted information so that information cannot be broken by it, like a quantum computer. So what is happening is a lot of, in the, in the entire world, a lot of different countries are hacking US government and corporate data and just storing that data to themselves. Because once they have a quantum computer, they can encrypt that and get that information. So that's the reason why a lot of people are going into this space of doing where there's a missing critical data. So there are a few companies, you all are investors, then you, the, the reason from an investment point of view, this is the future. So a lot of companies are now building this quantum encryption Technique. So there are two ways to do that. One is a hardware-based and one is a software-based. PQE is the post-quantum encryption, which is a software-based. 
the software based of encryption is not yet proved and it's approved by so that you can do 100% uh, encrypt anything quantum but it is easy to do that so that's a you will see a lot of companies doing that uh, especially in the mission critical but there is another way to, which is proof is called qqd quantum key distribution where you basically encrypt the keys using the true quantum behavior is called quantum entanglement it means that one public key and private key is basically quantum entangled means no matter what how far they are if you disrupt one thing the other thing will vanish so that way you will never ever able to crack that information so that's what people are going into this direction and then there's a huge race of building this qqd or pq s and then companies were doing it at funding and the mostly you don't see much in the press because these all are working with the people who are storing mission critical data so either government army uh, us military and uh, financials that's, yeah it's really cool and it kind of uh kind of shows the the cliff that we're we're careening towards about uh all of the encryption that underpins the, the traditional financial institution and how that as quantum computing comes online is it's not going to be quite as secure anymore so that's fascinating nathan you got anything quick if you could please sir. yeah mine's gonna sound way less intelligent than kumar but i'm super excited to kind of see how i'm really into prop tech i'm really excited to see how communities will kind of change i for one didn't love living in new york city in the back half of my my decade of living there and i think that smaller communities and just that will kind of provide uh equal like, good jobs better way of life and just seeing these these communities develop in like smaller smaller cities and just seeing how like the next i don't know 30 years kind of shape out and yeah. hopefully watching these, these larger cities kind of, kind of fall and city states by, um, by, uh, sorry, the CTO of, of Coinbase, who always talk about city states, I think are super interesting, but again, way less interesting than quantum, quantum computing. Uh, yeah, we had, uh, uh, Johnny on at one point who works with on that specific thing in, in, uh, the city state. So it's a very interesting topic. And yeah, I think you're right. COVID probably helped move that along as well. And you see the gutting of the, the urban, environment at the moment and people just yeah, I don't need to be here anymore but enough about that Ms. Isla thank you by the way for sharing your wisdom guys uh what is the next topic we are ready back to rooms and uh, the next one is around adoption of, uh, of tokenization who which big player do you think would need to come into the game in order for there to be enough liquidity in many of these platforms is that kind of like a Coinbase, or that like a TradFi player, who do you think is going to really move this tokenization game forward massively? And we're going to do a couple of wrap-up items. Um, we're going to start with you, Kumar. Please plug your pluggables. How can people find you? Where do you want people to go after they see your amazing face? You can go to uh, LinkedIn. Just type Kumar Ujwal on LinkedIn. On Dwellfi, you can find me there. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, sorry, uh, Twitter or Telegram. And I can put it here for for everyone. All right, Kumar Dwellfi, Dwell.fi, Nathan at Dwell.fi. Nathan, anything separate you want to plug, sir? No, I really appreciate the time. I think we've had some really interesting conversations. And yeah, if anyone from um you know interested in speaking further, we'd love to have some side chats and uh, keep the conversation going. Awesome. Well, thank you so much to uh both of you for joining us here today and in uh educating the audience. Uh, as a reminder for everybody, for an up next weekly Wednesday, 10 a.m. Central, so a little bit less than seven days, we're going to be talking about fan engagement on the blockchain. Diffuse tap in person, January 31st. Is that what that says, Marina, right? 
Uh, yeah, January yeah. 31st. Day and the location and time to be determined. But Gabby has committed. All right. Sounds good. January 31st. So I should be there and I'll hopefully see a lot of you out in Chicago. Uh, Telegram, join the group, say hello, introduce yourself, all that stuff. People are largely there for networking. Um, but you also have the advantage of keeping up to date is what we're doing over at Diffuse. Kyla, any talking points that I completely neglected? Oh, uh, we're all set and uh, excited to see you around here next time. All right. Thank you all for coming out. It's great to see so many familiar faces and new faces, both. So hopefully we'll see you next week. But until then, have a great week. Dang it. I was trying to come up with something clever, I feel. All right. <laughs> but anyways, have a good one, folks. See you next time. That's all, folks. Hope you learned something new. If you join us on Zoom every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central, you can also network with other fascinating alternative investors from all over the world in small groups of four or five. Learn more on our website at www.diffusefunds.com. Until next time. <laughs>